0: Well, welcome, glad to see you. Welcome to Emmaus Church Community. My name is Nathan. I'm happy that you're here. Welcome. If you're joining us online, my hope is that you will engage and this will be a meaningful time of participation, not just observation. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together and I hope that you'll um, get some bread out, some juice and prepare to be a part of that experience with us. It's important that we engage, even though many of us are in different places this morning, uh, we can share this moment. And uh, it is our hope and conviction that by the power of the Spirit, somehow he'll hold the church together in this crazy time. And um, my hope is that this, if you're watching us at home, if you're participating from your home, that this will be extremely meaningful, uh, a, a moment of hope, uh, a time of perspective, and, and true worship with your family. For the few of you that have gathered here, thanks for joining us this morning. It's, it's, it's better when you're here. I'm grateful for your presence here this morning. Um, and um, thank you for coming. If you're online, there's a, some of you are watching this on a TV screen, and so you may not know there's a chat bar that's available, and it'd be so helpful to hear who's at home. We get to see the number of people who are watching, but we don't necessarily know who is watching, and it's it's becoming increasingly challenging to do pastoral care to a community where we're not exactly sure who's, who's participating. So if you have a laptop nearby, or you can pull up the feed on your phone, emmauscommunity.org, then maybe you could chime in on the chat bar and just say, hey, we're here. <laughs> we are, uh, you know, s- greet those who are there. I'll ask Rich, who's hosting our online gathering today to keep track of folks who are willing to uh, share their presence with us. Miss seeing everybody, and it's remarkable how helpful that is in the bigger picture. <laughs> it's just that regular reminder of, of who is um, who's with us here. All right. Well, friends, at some point there was a voice, a real voice, an actual voice, a particular person's voice, which told you about Jesus in a way that went in your ears, but then ultimately found a home in your heart. There was a voice, a specific voice that shared the good news and what you heard made an impact on your life and it changed your story. Do you remember that voice? Could you could you name the owner of of that voice this morning? Could you could you explain or share with somebody about that experience or at least the voice that communicated to you with enough integrity and enough authenticity <clears throat> and enough energy and enough love and enough passion or enough truth or whatever it took to reach into your heart and mind that you actually change, could you name them? Maybe it was a grandmother. Um, Maybe it was a classmate. Maybe it was somebody that you work with. Maybe it was a youth pastor, a coach. Who was it? If you're participating online, I want to encourage you to type in either the name, the proper name, or just the position of the person, like it was my football coach or something like that. Would any of you here share with me Who was the voice? Kathy? A co-worker? Great. Your parents? Amen. Yeah, Jeff? A wife, your wife, yes. Okay, specific pastor? Good. Yeah, good. Pastor Bonner? Yep, good. 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 Maybe it's a chorus of voices. Maybe it was a variety of people that came together over a long period of time. You started to to hear the similar similar songs, and that that became a chorus, and and your heart tuned in with that, and, and then you began to sing along with them. And I wonder then also if maybe if there are some people that would answer this question by naming you, by naming your name. She was the one who first told me about Jesus. He was the one who communicated to me about Jesus. Yours was the voice that shared the good news that invited somebody else to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everyone who has a relationship with God, which is a mysterious thing, isn't it? It's hard to kind of put your finger on exactly. It's It's a mysterious, wonderful concept, a relationship with God. But everyone who has a relationship with God began that relationship When somebody told them the truth, when somebody shared the good news, we use words like testified or bore witness to. Essentially, we mean told the story of Jesus to to them. And that speaking of the truth is such a powerful reality when it lands in the heart that most of us can actually identify the voice that spoke these words to us initially in a way that we were able to hear Last week, we focused on um, the figure that the Bible writers refer to as the voice. In the wilderness, a man named John, they call him John the Baptist. John was a very strange messenger. He delivered a very challenging message. But as Mark, the gospel writer, writes, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were drawn out to the wilderness by his message because it was such a real life authentic message and it was coming from such a real place of profound goodness that it filled people with hope, real hope move my feet to go find it kind of hope. And we talked about how hope is so attractive last week. How hope is so attractive. Two weeks ago, Angela preached our first Advent sermon pointing out that hope is behind us because Jesus has already come. Hope is ahead of us because Jesus is gonna come again. This is the proclamation of the New Testament that Jesus is coming again. And so she said we are surrounded by hope. We're surrounded by hope at a time when the challenges and the disappointments and the grief and the fear and the frustrations related to the coronavirus just continue to get worse, friends, this is what we are proclaiming. We are surrounded by hope. We are surrounded by hope. Now, it may feel like we're surrounded by cancellations and restrictions and limitations and closures, and there's a very real element of truth to that, but it's like fog. Right now, it's all you can see, but it's momentary. It is not permanent. It's like a fog that surrounds us. There is a greater truth. There is a purer truth. There is a more real and greater truth that is beyond that. The greater truth, in fact, is the reality that we are surrounded by hope. And real hope, hope that is born from real life and real love, that's how I would define real hope, versus like a flimsy Hallmark card, kind of nicety, or some sort of like threat, no real hope. Hope that changes the way I feel and act is hope that is born out of real life. It is so authentic, it takes my current situations so for real, so seriously, that I know it gets me and it's motivated by love and I just feel this call toward it, right? I feel like I. that's what I want, that's what I want. I wanna be able to experience that kind of love and assurance and acceptance and purpose and meaning in the midst of, the challenges of real life. So when real life and real love come together, it's just so attractive. Today what I wanna talk about is I wanna share the power of giving voice to that hope. And I wanna invite you to wholeheartedly witness to that hope. Everybody, everywhere, all the time is talking about COVID. And I'm tired of it. And we could lend our voices to the noise and make no difference, or we could witness to hope, right? You could use your voice, specifically in the next two weeks, to declare hope. What if you ran the voices, the sounds, the words that come through your mouth through this filter of, am I talking about hope? Real hope. Real life, authentic and motivated by love kind of hope. So I wanna talk about witnessing to hope that is found in Jesus Christ, And secondly, this morning, I want to point out the surprising thing that happens to us when we share the hope of Christ with others. The surprising thing that happens to me when I share the hope of Christ with somebody else. All right, so the text for today is the first couple sentences of John's gospel. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. The Advent readings for this year are almost all focused on John the Baptist, Who prepares a way for the Lord. And that's what Advent is about. It's about preparing a way for the Lord. It's about preparing our hearts to celebrate the coming of Christ. So last week we looked at the first few sentences of Mark's gospel. Today we're in the first few sentences of John's gospel. The fourth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Here's how John begins his gospel. He first writes about Jesus. That's who he's talking about in case this language is strange and new to you. John writes this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God. He personalizes it. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That's what we were just singing about in the first song. John 1 is echoing Genesis 1, the very first chapter of the Bible, where God speaks all things into existence. It is through God's voice, it is through God's word that all things were made, that all things have life. John continues with verse 4, in him was life. He's referring to the word and he's personalized it with a pronoun, he. In him, in the word, was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it the darkness has not overcome it next john who is the disciple john continues by introducing another john who's the baptist verse 6 there was a man sent from god whose name was john he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. What's John's mission? That all may believe. That's why he's testifying. That's why he's saying what he's saying, so that all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So in John's gospel, John the Baptist is the first voice to tell people about Jesus, Just a minute ago, I asked you to identify the voice that connected with you, the voice that told you about Jesus. John the Baptist was the first voice that proclaimed to people about Jesus. Now, in other Gospels, we learn that angels proclaimed the truth about Jesus to Mary and to Joseph. There were two people who prophesied over Jesus and declared the truth about Jesus when he was eight days old and he was dedicated at the temple, Simeon and Anna, and then Jesus grows up in relative obscurity in a small town called Nazareth, becomes a carpenter under the tutelage of his adopted father, Joseph. So there's this long period where nobody is proclaiming anything remarkable about about who Jesus is. But then finally, when Jesus is about 30 years old, the time is fulfilled for his public ministry to begin, and John the Baptist is the first voice to declare to the world, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I've met people, and I always think this is so cool. It used to happen more often than it does now, which reveals how much time's gone by. but I, I used to meet people quite often who would say that the first voice that they heard proclaim Jesus was the voice of Billy Graham. And I used to think it was so cool when I would meet somebody and I would be able to say, How did you become a Christian? And they would say, well, i I was at a Billy Graham crusade. I mean, and in, in case you don't in case you don't know who he is, he's He's the, he's the man who's preached to more people in the history of the planet, more than anybody else. I think it's like 30 million people or something crazy, maybe more than that. I think it's cool. I don't know. It's like a nerdy thing. I would think it would be really cool. It's no better than anybody else, but I think it would be cool to be able to say, yeah, the voice that proclaimed Christ to me when I heard it in my heart and accepted the message of the gospel was Billy Graham. Imagine you're in heaven, and you got plenty of time to have long conversations with people, so you're having them. And uh, you, you walk up to this person, and, and you're like, hey, how did, you, how did you first hear about the Lord Jesus? And imagine the person says, uh, John the Baptist told me about him. Like, yeah, that's way cooler, all right? That's even cooler than Billy Graham, in my opinion, right? Yeah, the first guy to ever proclaim the gospel, John the Baptist told me about him. John the Baptist was the first voice to tell people about Jesus, and he starts what becomes this unbroken sequence of voices which proclaim real hope in Christ. The story of Christianity, friends, is is this one great chain or sequence of witnessing. One person telling another person who tells another person who tells another person who tells another person who's your parent who tells you, right? Right? The writer of the book of Hebrews refers to the fact that we are surrounded by, in this language, a great cloud of witnesses. This great cloud is the entire church, all faithful followers of Jesus around the globe throughout all of time, all surrounding us as this cloud of witnesses. One person who told another person who told another person. That's what everybody in the cloud of witnesses has in common. They heard a voice proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. They embraced that message. They responded in faith. They joined in the song, and then their life became part of a collective witness to others about the love and the power and the hope of Jesus. So I basically want to share two really simple thoughts this morning. I want to talk about being a witness of Christ, giving testimony to Christ in more common language. I want to talk about sharing the love of Christ with others. And I want to talk about that in terms of reflection and clarity. Those are the two big ideas. In terms of reflection and clarity. So, basically I basically want to talk about the simple act of reflection and the surprising source of clarity. All right, first, I thought about the simple act of reflection. My family and I love to backpack. We've been going backpacking. Carmen and I, that's what we did when we got married. We just started backpacking. Um, We took our kids backpacking when they were really little. Car camping can be great personal opinion. Car camping can be great, but it really depends on who's car camping next to you as to whether or not you're going to have a good experience. But backpacking is the way to go because you're way off the pavement. You're far off the road. You are truly in the wilderness. It's minimalist. Everything you need is on your back. It's just this beautiful experience. A couple of, uh, it was last year, my son Matthew and I, we went backpacking. We took our dog, True. We had a great time together um, up off of Highway 20 in the Grouse Ridge area. Now, when we go backpacking, one of the little pieces of equipment that we bring with us as part of our survival kit is this, this little mirror. And th- essentially, this is a reflection. This is like a, a signaling device in case you're really in trouble. It would have to, it would have to be sunny out for, in order for this to work. And somebody would have to be looking in your general direction. But, but this is what we've got. And, and so essentially, this is just a reflector. It's just a mirror. And the idea is that you reflect the light of the sun and to, you know, to, to somebody else. So there we go. I'm hitting Chris. And, and it's amazing how simple this is. And yet it's also so powerful. You can see the light of the sun from within these, you know, these trees if, if you're looking there. And I don't want to blind anybody, but see, I can, I can reach just using the little bit of light in this room. I can reach people in the back, right? Don't, I, I'll, be, I'll bet you I can reach all the way. This is so powerful, I bet I can reach all the way, just with the light in this room, I bet I can reach all the way into a house in Roseville. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. (laughs) I bet I can reach all the way, like, up to Auburn with this. Right there. I'm going to break our camera, right? I can reach, I can reflect the power and the light that is in here so far away like you're seeing the real thing. Almost like you're seeing the real thing, right? I'm not making light I'm not generating any energy, right? I'm simply reflecting the light that already exists in this place. The gospel writer describes Jesus as the source of life and light. Jesus is the source of light and life, and John the Baptist is the witness to that. John the Baptist says... Um, He was not, John says about John the Baptist, that he himself was not the light. He was only a witness to it. Essentially, John the Baptist is reflecting the light of Christ to others. That's what he's doing. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem are coming out to see John by the Jordan River. John is the attraction. John is the bright light in the wilderness, drawing people to him. But John says, I'm not the source of this light. I'm only reflecting this light. John is, in a sense, a mirror. His whole job, his whole mission, his whole identity is rooted in, I am a reflector of God. And this makes me think two things, which I've already already mentioned in regard to this mirror. First, telling people about Jesus talking about Jesus, using your voice for redemptive purposes to point people to hope, to share Jesus, it feels to many of us like a difficult thing. It feels difficult. It feels complex. It feels challenging. And in a certain degree, to a certain degree, it is challenging because of cultural pressures, relational dynamics. But is it actually complicated? No. No. It's not complicated. You don't have to go to school to learn how to do this. You don't have to have some sort of training. We're simply talking about reflection. That's all we're talking about. It's as simple as the matter, as simple as the, um, as, as the act of reflection. The love you've received from God, you reflect that love to others, right? The grace that's been poured out on your life, you, re- you just pour that grace, you just give that grace to someone else. You share that grace with somebody else. The truth that's been given to you, you pass on to somebody else. It's reflection. Last week, I encouraged us to realize that the message of hope is for us. We are the target audience. We are the intended recipient. Our name is on the package. The message of hope is for us and... The message of hope is for us to give to others. How do you do that? Essentially, you reflect, you reflect this hope to somebody else. It's as simple as kindergarten when we had show and tell time. You just show and tell, right? You reflect it to others. It's word and deed. Don't have to be a you don't have to have a master's degree in debate. It's just word and deed. You are not the light. You are a witness to the light. You are not the story. You just give testimony to the story. When I look at John's role as a witness to the light, as a reflector of the light, it's, it's really pretty simple, right? It's pretty simple. And then the second thing I would say about reflecting the light is it's so powerful. It's so powerful. You can change the world. All of you in here, all of you participating at home, you can change the world. You can redirect a life. You can rescue a family. Your voice could be the one which declares the greatest truth that has ever been declared by Paul or Billy Graham or John the Baptist or anybody, which is God loves you. You can declare that. And that is so powerful. It's not about you. It's about you pointing to Jesus. It's about you pointing to reflecting the true source of life of hope. So that's my first thought this morning. The simple and powerful act of reflection. And I'm inviting us into that with with tuned in intentionality in this season. Second thought, and this is brief, I want to talk about the surprising source of clarity. This will come back and it will connect in a second. The surprising source of clarity. You and I are existing in a world which is constantly asking this question. Who are you? Who are you? That's, be- that's beneath the surface, but it really fuels so many of the questions that we're trying to answer. What do you do for a living? What's your role? Uh, what's your number on the enneagram? What's your, what, what, how did you score on the Myers-Briggs test? What are your top five strengths? We're constantly trying to figure out, who am I? Many of us have spent a lot of time and energy trying to figure this out. What is my true self? What are my core passions? What do I bring to the table? Younger people who have grown up with cell phones in their hands have a unique pressure. Actually, I think it's pretty relentless pressure to answer this question, who are you? what's your brand, right? How do you identify? What's your platform? What's on your feed? What does this say about who you are? What is your position on X, Y, or Z? For my parents' generation, the question was, what's your sign? At least that's what I hear, right? That's what I see in 60s movies. What's your sign? I feel like for my kids' generation, it's like, What's your username, or what's your Instagram handle, or I don't even know how they say it. What's your snap? Like, what's your, what is the way, it's a way of answering the question, who are you? Let me see what you put out into the world. How do I say that the right way? Help me out? Okay, good. I'm not too far off. It's a way of saying, basically, it's a way of asking, who are you? And what we put out in the world is a way of answering that question. We pour so much time and so much energy and so much money into knowing who we are, finding ourselves, trying to figure out who am I. Later in the same chapter of John, Jewish leaders send some messengers out to the Jordan River. They want to figure out who John is. And this is what... John the Apostle writes, now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah, a prophet that he actually looks like because he's dressing like this dude who lived several hundred years ago? I am not, he says. Are you the prophet, which is a reference to somebody that Moses anticipated? Nope. Finally, they said, "Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent to us, who sent us. What do you say about yourself?" John replied with the words of the prophet Isaiah and said, "I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord." Here's the surprising source of clarity. Ready? Here's the somewhat ironic twist to this cultural addiction of never-ending self-help through self-discovery. Somebody's going to get a book about knowing yourself better this Christmas. You're going to because they're everywhere, right? Here's the irony. Here's, here's Here's my point. We know ourselves most accurately in light of someone else. We know ourselves most truly in light of Christ. We best understand who we are when we recognize who Jesus is, our stories make sense, our, at least more sense. Our stories find their meaning when they become part of the greater story of God. John the Baptist knows who he is and he knows who he is not, not because he's taken a lot of self-personality evaluation tests, but because he recognizes who he is in light of Christ. Are you the Messiah? No, I am not. Is this whole Jordan River thing about you? Absolutely not. It's about him. Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? No, I'm just the voice. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the mirror. A lot of these efforts to understand ourselves are important. Knowing ourselves is important. Learning how we work, how we relate, how we hurt, what we hope for, what we want, all very important, but knowing Jesus is more important. And it's not either or. One thing actually leads to the other. The surprising source of clarity when it comes to who you are is who Jesus is. Knowing him is the most important thing, and knowing him also, perhaps surprisingly, helps us realize the truth about who we are. Self-discovery, self-discovery is not your Savior. Jesus is your Savior. And we will never really know the truth about ourselves if we are always self-referential, if we're standing in front of the mirror trying to figure out who we are. It's just a loop. It won't lead us anywhere. We will only know ourselves in the light of God So many of us are trying to find our true self. We need to discover our renewed self, loved and rescued and restored by Jesus. That's really what we're looking for, is who Jesus says we are. So this morning, friends, super simple message. Realize that what is traditionally, for many, the most hopeful time of year is being buried in disappointment and cancellation and fear and gloom. The traditional cultural Christmas message is gather with your family and your loved ones. And we are literally being told don't gather with your family and your loved ones. And we don't need any more debate about it. I'm not trying to, right? We don't need any more talk about masks and vaccines, and rules, and rule makers, in my opinion, it's just so much arguing in an echo chamber. Let's rise above it. Let us be the voice of hope. Let us, in this moment, proclaim the truth of the love of Jesus. Let us reflect the light of God. We don't need any more voices talking about what all the other voices are talking about. We need voices of hope, friends. We need voices of hope. And I want to invite you to do the simple and powerful work of reflecting the love of God to others, especially in the next two weeks. And I can assure you that as you declare who he is, you will find clarity about who you are, about who you're called to be, and you will discover the purpose and the meaning of your story as you invite others to consider God's great story as the meta-narrative, the grand story over their life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. So amidst the disappointments and the, and the coming of the Christmas holiday, Lord, this strange tension that we're living in, this conglomeration of hope and disappointment and expectation and, oh, that's canceled. I just ask for a heavy sense of your hand on each of our shoulders that you'd give us enough proactivity to be able to step up and not back into the crowd, but step out and say, this is a moment of mission for me. I carry the message of hope, and this is when we need to hear it. Would you empower, encourage, assure us, empower us simply to reflect your love wherever we go, to declare your hope to whoever we talk to? And may lives be changed because we were the voice that continued the message of hope in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.